passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Cheeseheads. Cheese get on your feet. It's curd and long. Hosted by Sparky Fighter and Ryan Horvath. Hey, it's C. Sparky Fiber, 1250 AM, The Fan, beautiful Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, also known as Hales Corners, where the studio technically is. You can follow me on Twitter at Sparky Radio. Uh, Ryan Horvat will be back this week. However, he is off today. J.R. Radcliffe is our guy. He is a training sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Follow him on Twitter, like many of you do, at J.R. Radcliffe. J.R., thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yep. Love love it. What's uh, what's going on, man? Good to see you again. I wanted to do something different. So when Horvat and I do this, we normally just talk Packers, um, and we kind of trail off sometimes into the Bucks in the NBA and sometimes we trail off especially when Luke Fickle got here uh, into a little bit of the Badgers so for this one I kind of want to do everything so we're recording this Monday morning so Oates or these this mini camp hasn't started yet and even when it does start there's not a lot to read into OTAs and mini camp in my mind anyhow um, so I kind of want to just go over everything so I will start with Packers that's that's the first thing we'll start with that's the big one that's the meal ticket in your mind J.R. Radcliffe, mm-hmm. what's a perfect season for Jordan Love? And I don't mean like, oh, he doesn't throw an incompletion and no interceptions. No, no, no. But if, if you came in and said, okay, for me, J.R. Radcliffe, if you told me Jordan Love did this, I'm good. Like that would be that would be what I'm looking for uh, at this point. What does that look like for you? Well, so I think those are two different questions. What's a perfect season and what's a perfectly acceptable season? Oh, I mean, I, I, I think a perfect season is they do make the playoffs because I think they can. Uh, it, and that would also tie into Matt LaFleur's offense, and, and it would speak to that as well. It seems like that offense in the past hasn't necessarily needed a star quarterback, and maybe Jordan Love doesn't have to be a world breaker to uh, you know to, to get the Packers into a position where they can win enough games. And the division, you know, like there isn't a clear-cut 
I know the Lions are, are you know, on the upswing for sure, and and there'll probably be some people who are excited about the Bears being on the upswing. And the, you know, there's just still some mystery to me. I don't know who's going to win that division. I don't feel comfortable picking really any of those four teams. So, I think it's I think it's attainable. And then, you know, the defense has all these great players, and suppose they click, and suppose now the team is is better than average. That might be good enough to make the playoffs in the NFC. So, um, that would be. That would be great. That would be the ultimate transition. Obviously, that's not something you had with with Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers. Their first year as, as a starter did not happen that way, and you can't really expect that. So perfectly acceptable is a guy who keeps you in games, looks uh, you know, looks the part, I would say. There there are going to be games where he throws just head scratching interceptions. There are gonna be games where he, you know, gets sacked a bunch, doesn't doesn't isn't effective. But I think, you know, I think you can you can get a sense by the end of the year. If he truly is somebody who can be an NFL quarterback, we seem to be training in that direction based on sort of the reports, but but we have so little data on this guy. If you see him through, I'd say week eight, week nine, and you're like, he's he's looking better, he's looking solid. You don't feel like every time he drops back to pass, you, you have to you have to cringe a little bit and worry where that ball is going to sure. go. I, I mean, you have to love that because again, Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, they weren't they weren't playoff teams in their first year, but by their second year, they're pretty dang good. They were definitely, you could see where it was headed. So I think uh, all you got to do is set the table for, for what's to come after this season. I think the crazy part about this is before the schedule came out and Ryan and Horvath were, and I were having this conversation, I said, in a perfect world, you get as cake of a possible early schedule as you can possibly get. And they got it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that they served that thing up to the Packers. I don't know what Mark Murphy had to do to get that thing done, but that was amazing because yeah. you don't have world beaters at the top of that schedule, right? I mean, the Bears, uh, Detroit, Atlanta, please, I'll take that every day of the week because none of those teams are overly great. The Lions had a great year last year. Okay, fine, but Atlanta added a, a bunch of vets uh, this year, but it's going to take them a while to get going. The Bears in fields, it's going to take them a while to get going. That Bears team at the end of the year is probably going to look a lot different than what the Bears do look at the beginning of the year. But you'll be able to say the same thing for the Packers. As much as Fields will probably improve throughout the season, I think Jordan Love will improve throughout the season too. If this team is 3-2, and 4-1 and one heading into the bye week, not only are the fans completely in, then I think if there's any question in that locker room about Jordan Love, I think those are a race too. If you go into the bye week at 3-2 and two or 4-1, and one, everybody then is buying into what this team can be. Yeah, if you, if they're four and one in the bye week, people are going to freak out. Like that's that's insane. That's Bear great. Fans will be crying and weeping in Chicago. <laughs> what a shame! You hate to see it. Yeah, yeah a, little, a little early. Uh, you know, the Lions for that early primetime hit. You know, when when they come back in Thanksgiving, Detroit. I mean, if if they are having the season, they think they're going to be having. That's not going to be like their Super Bowl. They'll have bigger aspirations, but they are going to be locked in for that game. So it's nice to you know nice to see them on a little Thursday night football and uh, get 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 your feet wet that way. There's a lot of primetime games on this calendar. A lot of games late in the season could could be very very meaningful, high profile games. So yes, the schedule works out perfectly. I think the bye week is perfect for a guy you know in a new system having it so early in the season. That's probably just the right place to take a pause and. And uh, sort of gather yourself a little bit. Um, I mean, I mean, yeah. If they're three and two and four and one, of course you feel good about it. I, I, I actually at this point, I, I've sort of, I, I've sort of moved on from Jordan Love in my head. Like I, I realize that's going to be the central talking point, but I, I'm so fascinated to know how that defense is going to do. Like to me, that's sort of the make or break thing. I, I think Jordan Love will be fine, not spectacular, but not terrible, and that's going to be good enough if that defense is as good as it, it really needs to be. So I'm sort of, I'm sort of, sort of putting him off to the side and being like. He's he's gonna be okay, probably probably just okay, and that's fine. And then the defense better be good, man, because if they're not good, now there's some serious reevaluation that has to go on. See, everybody.
everybody talks about the defense, but Joe Barry's going to be Joe Barry. I, uh. I mean, I, I don't know. And for me, it's going to be an early, it's going to be an early cutoff on him if it's me. You got to the bye week. If this defense looks like crap through five weeks, I don't care what the record is, we're moving on and somebody within the defensive staff gets promoted or we hire somebody from outside, some old dude can come in and kind of coach the rest of the season on defense. I can't let him have a crappy defense three quarters of the year like they did last year before he finally figured it out. It's got to be a shorter leash this year for Joe Barry, I think. I would agree with that, except that if that happens, if it is a short leash and he's gone after week four, then the Packers really screwed this up because everybody Possibly. everybody is saying Joe Barry could be, could, you know, replacing him might be the key to unlocking that defense. I, I mean... Who knows what goes beyond, be, goes on behind closed doors? He might be just the best mentor, the best colleague, the best friend, and it's just really hard to move on from that guy. But the performance has not been there. So, you know, if they move on early in the season, in a way, it's going to be kind of admitting, "Wow, we screwed that up." When yep. literally, it, it's like a Justin Harrell situation. Everybody and their brother is saying one thing, you do the other, and it's like, yeah, it didn't work out, and you can tell right away. So, um, so I. I Part of me even hopes that that does not happen because that would be frustrating to know that they could have been a couple steps ahead of where they are now and they chose an alternate path. I don't think that's going to happen. This this franchise doesn't make willy-nilly decisions very often, so I think that we'll probably see him all year. It was an offseason littered with talented defensive coaches. It was littered. There were great defensive coaches all over the place you could have had to pick from. I don't know who would have came here and who wouldn't have, but you at least would have had a huge selection of guys to pick from. And you watched it all go by the wayside to keep Joe Barry. So I, I agree. I Pressure's we'll, on Matt Lafleur for for do, making that call, or whoever is deciding to make that call. Presumably Matt Lafleur. I'm guessing Lafleur fought for him. Yeah, yeah, that would be my guess. The other thing for me, I'm I'm just going in figuring they're going to be somewhere in the middle of the pack defensively, fifteen to twenty, somewhere in that area, and that would be an improvement over what they were for the majority of last year. For me, it's just how much. Are we going to be talking about the end of the season about mistakes made by these young wide receivers and young tight ends where we're going to go, yeah, love through 15 picks, but at least seven or eight of those were on the receiver or tight ends running the wrong routes, making the wrong adjustments, um, and that's a big thing. And like you talked about earlier, by the end of the season, seeing that progression, that's what you want to see. Early on, you may see guys making mistakes, running wrong routes, and making mental errors, you hope by the end of the year that's not happening and that offense is looking even better. If you don't see a lot of mental errors this year by the wide receivers or the two young tight ends, this is going to be a playoff team. Like, I I, I don't have any question about it whatsoever. I know Chicago, Detroit, Minnesota fans are hoping for a three-win season for Green Bay with Jordan Love. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I don't think he's going to be horrible. That's the first thing. Uh, and B, I think they have a lot of talent because of this year's draft to help him out besides Watson and Dobbs and Jones and Dylan. Yeah, the, the one thing you maybe could be concerned about, Jones and Dylan might be maybe fit this mold, but just there's no security blanket. There's no obvious veteran who's going to step in when Watson and Dobbs and, and the tight ends are having a tough day. There's there's nobody truly there to step up and, and be, you know, sort of take over for a game or two. D-hop. They've had that guy. Right? You just go get D-Hop. <laughs> yeah, you if only go get Hopkins and tell him, hey, I know you want to be a part of that crappy Cardinals organization with Kyler Murray, but let's be honest here. You have Ryan Tannehill and Mac Jones at this point. Those are the two guys you're thinking about and considering and going to playing for. The Packers have, what, $16 million in cap room, I want to say. If it's all about the money for D-Hop, and it might be, then who knows? I'm joking, obviously, because there's no way they're getting D-Hop. <laughs> no. But that would really change everything of uh, a Hopkins ends up signing in Green Bay when they never got Rodgers, anybody close to that caliber. It would definitely, I think, bring a buzz that would would 
playoffs would now all of a sudden be the expectation. I don't, uh, I mean, it's not going to happen for two reasons. One, even though the money sounds like it could work, it just doesn't sound like the money's going to work. I'm not a cap expert, and I really struggle when my eyes gloss over very quickly when I try to get a handle on it. But it doesn't sound yeah. like it's something that they can realistically pull off. And two, this, that's just not what the Packers do. They've never done that. It's Administrations have gone by, and it's just... They don't. They don't make those splashy, you know, off-season additions. Right. They. They really only had even. Even with Gutekunst, just one year where they kind of went all in on free agency and it paid off royally, uh, with you know with, with Darius Smith and Preston Smith and Adrian Amos and, and Billy Turner. So it would. It would be kind of fun to see that again. It just that's just not how the Packers roll. Okay, so that's the Packers. Uh, I want to get into now the Wisconsin Badgers, mm-hmm. shall we? Badger football. Absolutely. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former Sports Center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Man, I can't tell you the last time I've been this excited, man. Mm. I mean, this is everything I've always wanted. And of course, I don't have a big show to, to boast about this anymore, but I still got my phone and texting with Gary Ellerson, and that's enough for me at this point. Because what I've wanted, which is talk of a national championship, trying to recruit at that level, doing the things you need to do to try to compete at that level is finally happening. Now, a ton of credit, a majority of the credit, is having somebody new in charge of the school that's willing to play ball with the athletic director and Chris McIntosh and give them money. That helps. Uh, The Badger Collective and being able to have all this additional sourcing of money coming in, that helps. But they had a guy named Trent Seaborn. Do you know who Trent Seaborn is, J.R. Ratcliffe? I, I don't. I don't. Let me tell you who Trent Seaborn is, J.R. Ratcliffe. He was on campus this last weekend, unofficial visit, okay? Okay. At Wisconsin. They had a ton of kids in, 2024 20, kids. This dude is an eighth grader. He's <laughs> the number one rated quarterback in the 2027 class out of Alabama. Holy smoke. On campus, and you should go see what the dude had to say about Madison. Dude loved it. Went over his whole trip, what he did, who he talked to. They Longo had him up on the dry erase board going over his offense versus what they run at Wisconsin in eighth grader. I'm telling you right now, maybe I forgot. Paul Christ ain't going after the number one quarterback in the 2027 <laughs> class. There's no chance. They already offered Chris Henry, uh, Chris Henry Jr., I guess, a senior played for the Bengals or whatever the case may be. I, I think they're related. I don't know. Maybe they're not. But either way, they already offered him a deal. I think he's in eighth grade, too. I think they already offered him a contract. And he's like 2027 or 2026, something like that. He's really young. He's number one rated wide receiver out of Ohio in Cincinnati. So they are going about this big picture. Yes, they're trying to fill now. 
But, dude, they are not sitting back going, yeah, we'll take quarterback number 250. We're good. No, they're not. They're saying, the hell with this. We're going to win a national championship, and we're going to try and recruit the best of the best against these big programs. Yeah, it's a completely different animal. It really is. And and two things happened that I think really made this sort of a stroke of genius in terms of timing. One is uh, the addition of USC and UCLA to the Big Ten. So there's yep. a lot more money in the Big Ten. Wisconsin is not a have-not in the land of college right. football. They are a team that can afford to make bold moves, big you know, big big budgets. Uh, you also have the expansion of the college football playoff. Wisconsin is no longer a team that can't can't win a national championship. And and I realize that you really couldn't say that before that they technically were in it. But of course, it's also easy to say they really weren't in it. There's really only one year where they were really on the doorstep of being in that right. final four. But now now it's expanded to the point that or will be expanded to the point where of course Wisconsin can get in. Wisconsin can get in without without one of their best teams, really. The Stars don't need to align anymore. They just, uh, I mean, they, they need to align to some degree, but they don't have to, it doesn't have to be the perfect season. Uh, and, and yeah, you got guys coming in in that 2024 class who have offers from some really impressive schools, Penn State, Michigan State, even, I mean, you know, those are schools that Wisconsin absolutely can compete with and needs to compete with, and they're winning recruiting battles with guys over that. There's SEC schools that have offered some of these, yep. some of these kids that are coming in, and you know, maybe not Alabama, but but definitely a couple tiers down or next year down, and that's that's really impressive. Ole Miss, Mississippi State. I saw a guy, Kentucky Vanderbilt, that just just you know, again, like these aren't necessarily the top five programs in the country, but those kids weren't coming to Wisconsin before. They were kids, a lot of them from the state of Wisconsin, who were projects who developed into great players over the course of four to five years, and you have to credit Paul Chris staff for being able to pull that off. But if you can achieve that sort of pro, uh, you know development which we don't know about this staff yet because they don't have, haven't had the time to do it. But if you can achieve that with the level of recruiting and the buzz going on, I mean, maybe maybe Mattire, which is I think how you pronounce his name, who who committed ages ago in that 2024 class, a quarterback, is a pretty exciting prospect out of Texas. They already have quarterbacks. Suddenly they have a lit, litany of quarterbacks available to them. When was yep. the last time Wisconsin had <laughs> options where you could legitimately see like three different guys yeah. being the starter two years from now? You know, you never yep. had that situation. They put all their eggs in the Graham Mertz basket, and he was a great recruit. It didn't work out for reasons that I still – I'm not even sure what happened there, but uh, that was that was their guy. That was the one big splash that they made. And uh, I, I, I don't, you know, I, Paul Chris had a philosophy, had, had a strategy, and it, it ultimately, I think it, it worked in many ways, and it, it didn't work in others, and, and even, I think even when Luke Fickle, Luke Fickle's going to face adversity eventually. They're going to get on the field, they're going to lose, they're going to lose a game sure. that maybe they shouldn't, or, yep. or not have the season people expect at some point, and uh, he's going to, it's going to run into it where the honeymoon period will end, so I don't want to make it sound like, I think, you know, I think Luke Fickle is a surefire 100% bet to, to win, but it sure is a completely different animal than it was with Paul Christ and with the previous staffs and it sure feels like like you said they're they're playing they're playing a different game than they were before and they're interested in some really really big prizes and you know not just maybe one year setting up all the pieces to to make a run at the Big 10 title you know or, or get into the Big 10 title game we're we're in a different ball game now the other thing is man this kind of feels like a Barry Alvarez old school thing they're going hard at the East Coast. They've already got two or three kids from Pennsylvania to come in. Mm -hmm. They're up in New Jersey again. They're starting to really kind of go after the East Coast. And I feel like at some point we got away from that. And I don't know if it was Brett or if it was Chris. We kind of got away from really hard going after the East Coast. Chris really liked kind of going after California because that's kind of where he was coming from out West when he got here to be the offensive coordinator. So he kind of was going that way. These guys are really heavy in the south and in the east and then you know that 350 mile radius thing 
uh, that Fickle came up with uh, at the same point. And to me, that's interesting because back in the day when they were getting top flight wide receivers, they were getting top flight cornerbacks. They were putting guys in the NFL every year at wide receiver, at corner, defensive line, year after year, they were getting guys in the NFL. A lot of those dudes were all coming from up and down the East Coast, and mm-hmm. there's no reason why you still can't be there. Rutgers is going to out-recruit you? Maryland's going to out-recruit you? Hell no. Go in there and take their kids and bring them back here to play. I, I again... I am so in love and so happy. And you talked about the buzz. Dude, the bat signal that he does. Mm-hmm. I mean, totally different, on. right? I mean, anybody could have done that. And, and he does it. And, every, and they still, everybody still go, I go crazy. I always, I always quote tweet, like, let's go, more Badger <laughs> stuff. I get so excited every time I see it. And now Lundy is doing it with Milwaukee for the Panthers for recruiting for basketball. He's got his own little bat signal going. Everybody should do it. It, it was, I mean, for what was it, like two or three weeks there? where he was the story. Every time that dude puts something out, people went crazy about the Badgers like we've never seen. Yeah, and I should say there's even a third thing to the two things I said that make this transition right. And the third thing is kids and recruits are as online as they've ever been. You know, yes. there, there's game tape, there's, you know, they, they post when people have phone, when they have phone calls with assistant coaches, you know, when there's offers and, you know, everything is is sort of prepackaged, pre-designed. You know, there is a, a business to being where they are, where kids are, recruits are, and being on their level and building excitement for them, making it an event when a kid is about to recruit, you know, rather than have them just put out a notice on their Twitter account, you know, get, set it up so that Badger fans are, are know, to be on, know to be on the lookout. That is that is reaching reaching recruits on a level that I don't think we previously did. And again, Paul Chris had a, had a philosophy. He was a certain type of personality. He is not a guy who's going to go on TikTok or on Instagram or do a bat signal. No, that's that's he's an older school personality that fit the older school model of Wisconsin football. Yes. And you know, like you said, I, and they did get they got Jonathan Taylor from the East Coast, obviously, but like they had. They were they were very focused on Midwestern athletes primarily. They felt like that was the best place for this program. And this this coaching staff, they're not Wisconsin alums. There's hardly any Wisconsin alums. They, they really did break from that Wisconsin, I would say, tradition. And there are going to be people who are not happy about that. And maybe as the games roll on, maybe they'll be more right or more wrong to feel that way. You know, we don't really know yet, but this is a... a Staff that's been all they've been all over the place. Like they've been everywhere. They have they have you know contacts in the south and on the east. Like you said, like they are. And they did their no due diligence though to give them credit, Jared. They they did their due diligence, uh, whether it be uh, Fickle or whoever. They went around Wisconsin. They went met the high school coaches, mm-hmm. walked yeah. and talked to the kids. They're not abandoning Wisconsin from recruiting, but it's different. It's a different style of athlete. Like for instance, they just got a kid to commit this last weekend. A six foot five safety. I know they got a six two corner, six three corner. And what they're going to do that secondary? Again, it's a little bit out of the box. It's a little bit different. But again, that may be what ends up working. That's different than, like you call it, the old school mentality of how we're going to put together a football team. Yeah, it's it's just again, it's a com- it's a completely different ball game. And I think even Paul Christ even said this, and I believe him that the pandemic changed the game quite a bit. It made things sort of have to be more global. You weren't able to get kids on campus. You weren't able to sort of sell them on the room. And so there was sort of a movement toward virtual and remote and just it just made things more more global put everybody on an even playing field no matter where you lived so that made it harder to bring in wisconsin kids and get wisconsin kids for a certain you know a certain age age group 
I don't know if there's still tendrils of that happening. If if three, four years later, there's still a situation where, where kids just don't think like that. Although, obviously, right now, what you're hearing is just recruit after recruit coming onto campus and being like blown away. Like, I can't yep. believe Madison's this nice. And, you know, I'm from New Jersey and I've never even thought about Madison, never even knew where Madison was, you know, things like that. So um, so they are obviously using the in-person element as well. And the summer helps, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, you don't <laughs> you are not you do not want to bring a kid here in the middle of winter. No, nope. um, you want them to see those lakes and all their glory. And, uh, and and right now that seems to be seems to be paying off. You know, I I I am I'm OK with reserving judgment a little bit. You know, like things have gone really well. Obviously, the transfer portal was really exciting. The 2024 class is really exciting. It's still just, you know, ki- they're still just kids. I'm, I'm not going to get excited about eighth graders yet. But like, uh, you know, I, I know that for a fact Previous, like you said, previous generations of coaches at Wisconsin would not be talking to an Alabama eighth grade Never. quarterback. That just would not be the situation. So no, it just wouldn't be. I'm more excited for the Badgers than I am for the Brewers. Or not for the mm-hmm. Brewers. Well, definitely for the Brewers. But I'm more excited <laughs> for the Badgers than I am for the Packers or for the Bucks to start. I, in my mind, yeah. I'm excited to see the Badgers, then the Packers, and then the Bucks with their new coaching staff. Uh, before we get to the Bucks and the new coaching staff, I, I want to just talk about the Brewers because as we record this on Monday morning, Monday afternoon, they're coming off getting swept by the Oakland Athletics, worst team in baseball, mm. um, and Brewer fans heartbroken and just mad uh, about this whole thing happening. And I do this little thing for two minutes on 55 breaks during CBS Sports Radio Monday through Friday, a sparky take or a clip of a podcast or an interview that I do. I play a couple minutes. You and I have done interviews before. And then I direct everybody to go to the 1250amthefan.com website to listen to the full interviews. And I said this, guys, y'all need to chill the hell out. They've got a million guys on the IL. At one point, there was 14. I don't know how many there are now, but it's probably still in the teens horrible luck from an injury standpoint to be doing what they're doing without one of their best pitchers in Brandon Woodruff, who is probably pitching better than Corbin Burns because Corbin Burns has not been Corbin Burns. He being out for a majority of the season is not helping them at all. You pick up Julio Tehran, who, hey, they may have found <laughs> the fountain of youth with this dude because this dude's been crazy good. Now run support, but he's been crazy good since they got him. They've been in first place despite all the crap that they've went through. And there's not a lot of guys hitting on this team all that well either. But defense is helping a tremendous amount. Starting pitching is doing enough. Bullpen here and there has been relatively good. Devin Williams will be their all-star at the end of the day. I guess I still think they win this division, even though they got swept by the A's and all that nonsense. I still think they win this division. I still think they win in the playoffs or get to the playoffs, even though... From a hitting perspective, I think they're putrid. But go ahead. So here, I'm I'm gonna have to disagree a little bit. I'll say where I will agree is Brandon Woodruff being out. You know, if they can get him back and healthy, and Freddie Peralta get him right because he hasn't been he hasn't been right. He's been run, okay. Freddy. Yeah, but give, yes, giving up. You know, just homers left and right. And Corbin Burns, who had a really good start this past week, if he gets if if he can kind of either stay the course, maybe a little better, or even get back to that elite level. Now they're a team that can legitimately, like, I, I, and I mean this, they can win the World Series with those three guys. No, 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 no. They can. They can. No. I, Here, I'll tell you this. I, I argue with my buddy about this all the time. Name me a team that won a World Series that did not have a single hitter that was feared in the line. <laughs> the Kansas City Royals. Ah, oh, but they had Moustakis. They had Kane. Mm, they had guys, guys in the lineup. Kane. They don't even have any of those type of players in this lineup. Do you remember the San Francisco Giants hitters who who won World Series behind Madison Bumgarner and friends? I mean, they won it three they three had times. Posey, didn't they? Well, sure. They had Posey, who's who's solid. They had uh, um, who's our Evan Posey? Lang- no, not Evan Longoria. Um, sorry, what about Posey? 
Who Buster? is the Brewers' Buster Posey? Well, okay, so that's that's somewhat fair. I think y- here's where I was going to disagree with you. I I don't think this team is going to win the division. I don't think they're even going to be a winning team. The offense is just so bad, horrible. And you know, you talked about the injuries. is It's a fair point. The problem is that the majority of the injuries, the difference maker injuries that they're dealing with now, those are those are starting pitchers. You know, Wade Miley, Eric Eric Lauer, Brandon Woodruff. Like it, it sucks to lose all those guys. A lot of bullpen guys too, but they have they have made that work. And you talked about Tehran and Colin Ray. God bless him is is yep. doing everything they've asked of him. Freddie has struggled, but starting pitching hasn't been their problem. Relief pitching. Spotty for sure, but ultimately I don't Strzelecki think that's their has problem. Not lived up to the hype as he was in April, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean Strzelecki got off to a good start and, and probably probably shouldn't be the eighth inning guy forever. But but I mean I do think there's a little bit of bad luck there, and I I feel like they will get some arms back in the bullpen too. You know maybe Matt Bush can reclaim what what he lost. They've got uh, they got they've got some options there. The problem is that nobody who's who's going to contribute significantly to this offense is hurt. They, their guys are here, with the exception of Jesse Winker, who who could turn back into a player that he was a couple years ago. But I don't know where the evidence is of that. I mean, he obviously was horrendous to start the year. Like, I don't know if you're chomping at the bit for Jesse Winker to get back here and save this offense. So these these are the guys, and they're not gonna you know they're not gonna find a huge difference maker at the trade deadline. They're not gonna be able to bring up somebody. There, you know, Sal Freelich is a good player, but he's just struggling this year at AAA even before he got hurt. So I don't think they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to get really good production from guys who are not producing. I'm talking about Willie Adamas, who, you know, at this point is 2021 the outlier season for him. You know, he's he's still got a lot of pop and he's a great yep. defensive player, but I don't know, I don't I don't know. Like William Contreras is doing probably what you could expect any catcher to do. I mean, maybe a, maybe a little south of that, but they're not getting production from Rowdy Telez at first base. Luis Arias just came back, so a small sample, but not much there yet. Uh, you know, Tyrone Brian Taylor's Anderson has really zero. struggled. Tyrone Taylor's been hurt and and really bad when he's available. You know, Christian Yelich actually is is fine for you know where he's been the last few years. He's probably not the the worst of your concerns, but obviously he's not a superstar like they they do. Like you said, they have no superstars. There's no one in the lineup that you can rely on to come through in the clutch. Which uh, I don't really necessarily believe in clutch, but I mean, like, there's nobody who's consistently good. There's nobody who's to be feared. So, absent some of these guys just completely turning it around and rounding into form, you're right. Their defense is great. It's really solid. They have everything else. All the pieces are there to to get by and to get into the playoffs. This division is so bad, though. That's why they're still in first place because they got they were hot at the beginning of the year when they were healthy and guys were executing. They they stopped doing that. And I don't see a path back. Like, they've been bad for a while. They've been bad for a month and a half. And honestly, I think that's kind of who they are, unless they're able to, unless some of these guys turn it around and completely change how they've been playing. I'm sorry, I stopped listening after you said, I, I don't know if you believe in clutch. I've never heard anybody say that in my life. So oh, yes. I, I need you there. to I need you to expand on that you don't believe in clutch. <laughs> I think the majority of people who look into clutch, and, and there are exceptions, but for the most part, they're just people who are good in most situations. Like they're not better in clutch situations versus non-clutch situations. They're just good in every situation. So, or bad in every situation as it might be. So, that's that's all I'm saying. I I, I don't mean that they need they don't need somebody who's just like Johnny on the spot. They need people who are just good. They need good hitters. What they need did to you just say. I'm going to use the Brewers manager. Is he was meh in his career? Mm-hmm. But in big situations, that's kind of what he became known for. Was that those big situations? The rest of the time he was meh. I mean, again, now, meh, by, by Major League standards, it's still damn good. So yeah. I'm not slamming Council. 
other than that like zero for 45 thing that he had and they wouldn't release that's him. amazing that just drove me nuts but outside of that i mean <laughs> think about the world series moments and everything else yeah that's a dude to me that kind of has that clutch gene for whatever the reason he just tends to figure out a way to come up big in big situations yeah i think i mean he's certainly known for what he's done in the postseason he he got hot in the postseason there's no question i i would subscribe to that being a little more random i don't think unieski betancourt was one of the best clutch players in Brewers history no. just because he had a really good run in 2011 Here, and was basketball? their best player. How about Pat Connaughton? Can't shoot a damn in the regular <laughs> season. Gets to the playoffs and starts shooting threes left and right like he's Larry Bird. I I don't feel as comfortable with my clutch theory in basketball. I, I feel oh? a little more comfortable with it in baseball. Really? Yeah, I mean, well, I'm just saying, like, I don't know the numbers well enough in basketball to be certain that there aren't people who step up in big situations. Um, Yeah, Pat, Pat Connaughton's a very good playoff player. Like, they've, and I mean, that's kind of what I'm saying about this team. Can they win the World Series? Yeah, if if randos step up and have amazing postseasons on offense that you weren't getting, I mean, because in a small sample of a postseason, that can absolutely happen. It happens every year. Every year there are strange, I mean, Randy Rosarin is a bad example because he's a pretty decent regular season player, but there are, there are some players who just figure it out for a three-week stretch yeah. and transform an organization. That happens, um, and it can happen if the Brewers have that level of pitching, but I, I don't think this team is getting into the playoffs. I just okay. I am not seeing so let, it. So let's fast forward. I'm, mm-hmm. I love talking to J.R. Radcliffe. You can follow him on Twitter at J.R. Radcliffe. I just love it. He's one of my favorite people to talk to. <laughs> oh, okay, so let's, let's, let's lay this scenario out for you. Brewers are in first place. Mm, by two or three games over the Pirates coming up on the deadline mm-hmm. with this current hitting no different than it was, and we're sitting there. What are you doing? Are you buying or are you selling a Corbin Burns with you know a year and a half left on his deal like they did with Josh Hader? What do you do? I will tell you what I think the Brewers will do, first of all, which is not sell. I think they will run with the guys they've got, and they will try to bolster this team. I think the Josh Hader trade last year scarred them a little bit and will lead them to do the opposite this year. I would sell. I I do not believe that the team is currently constructed can can truly threaten for a world championship. I think Agreed. if they get into the playoffs it's because the division is just truly so bad. Yep. And because there is this big middle class right now in baseball, either that's because of the balanced schedule or, or what, but there are a ton of teams that are just kind of kind of meh without any real... There's a couple teams that are truly terrible and a couple teams that are really good and a lot of middle class. There's not going to be a lot of sellers at the deadline. If you decide to yourself, you know what, we aren't that team this year, we can set ourselves up. There is kind of another wave coming through from Milwaukee. It starts with Joey Weimer and Bryce Terang and Garrett Mitchell, Sal Freelich, and some. They, they do have a little bit of pitching coming up. I think they can I think they can be back to pretty good pretty quickly and if you know you're not signing Corbin Burns, Willie Adams and Brandon Woodruff, then I think now is the time to strike and Rowdy Tellez is also up. up too at that same at same time. Yeah, you probably won't get Rowdy Tellez. You won't get much for him right now because no. he's just not playing well. You may not but, get much for Willie Adams either at this point. And you know, this might sound naive, but when you're talking about two months of the season, you could, especially in this division, like you may be able to move those guys and actually still make the playoffs. And and I don't even think they would they would move all of those guys. So I'm just saying maybe one or two of those guys. But they might still be able to hang on because baseball is random like that over the over course of just two months. If you're in that position, I mean, it certainly doesn't improve their odds. But I I I feel like I feel like this is going to be a really good time to do it. I do not think they will, but I think they should. They have a perfect example. You are sitting here right now without Brandon Woodruff, with Corbin Burns, and you're doing just fine. <laughs> so if you trade yeah. Corbin Burns and keep Brandon Woodruff, 
providing he's healthy, you should still be fine at the end of the day. That's like, correct. that's what it is. And if anything to this clubhouse, it'd be like, guys, look, man, it's a business. You got to understand where you are. You're in Milwaukee, man. We just went through this ugly arbitration thing with this dude who had no business being at the arbitration hearing. I've said this forever. I hate that damn system with a passion. They should have just paid him and been done with it. And I get the, well, Sparky, it's the MLB system. And, you know, they got to do what's right for everybody else. No, they don't. How many times do they have a Cy Young Award winner? The last one was Vukovic, for God's sakes. Just give them the damn money and make them happy for the season and play it out. I don't care what Reinsdorf thinks in Chicago about you giving this dude money. What's he going to say? He's not going to say anything. I was listening to the score today. They're talking about Stroman's probably going to get dealt from the Cubs. Giolito's probably going to get dealt from the White Sox. John Heyman was on talking about that from MLB Network. If those guys both get dealt, he was saying they're both going to get huge hauls because, they're like you said, aren't going to be a lot of sellers. I'll take Corbin Burns over both those dudes of course. if we're talking straight up on the market who's going to get the most. I completely agree with you. And, and yeah, that arbitration case, I think they screwed it up. I, I mean, I, I know they tried, I'm sure they tried their damnedest to make that not happen, to, to skip the arbitration hearing altogether, to get a settlement. And I know that they're thinking not, but I, we're on the same page. Like, it feels like that process benefits baseball as a whole. Oh, yes. so then the next team that has a Corbin Birds doesn't have to pay them. Yep. I do think it benefits the team a little bit, too, that, you know, just the way that that sort of accumulates over time, that they would be spending a little bit less, uh, quite a bit less in the future, you know, on Burns' next contract and the next brewer, the, the next pitcher that is of that caliber. But I completely agree with you. Like, at some point, it, it looks like a duck and talks like a duck, and it is just a few hundred thousand dollars and pay the man he is he is like the one guy on your team that you can say is a huge huge difference maker now you look back and you see that he's fallen off a little bit you might be tempted to argue well you know maybe they were good to save some money but like this is this is just not enough money to justify the the vitriol that it has it has developed and it now seems like an impossibility that Corbin Birds is going to be back beyond next season and that is obviously part of the equation why I think you you would want to sell at the deadline with, with that particular player um, what what do you want in a Burns or a Woodruff package? I'll tell you what I want, and then I'll, I'll get what you want. I want corner freaking infielders <laughs> that who have power. Good. That's all I want, man. You're, you're pitching, all that, whatever. I don't care. I want a first baseman that's like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, he can mean single A for all I care, but it's got a <laughs> huge bat. I'm in. A third base, I want Jordan Walker. I've wanted Jordan mm. Walker. I've been telling Tim Mooma this. I've been telling everybody that listened to me, I want Jordan Walker. From the Cardinals, who got sent down to AAA, and now he's back up. Give me Jordan Walker. Put him at third base. Let's just forget about it. Let's move on. He can have his growing pains, just like Joey Weimer is having, just like everybody else is having. And let's go. Because they're not going to draft corner infielders, clearly. So then get them in a package coming back. And I don't care how old they are. If they've got huge power, I want them, J.R. Radcliffe. What about I think, you? Yeah, I, th- I think there's some wisdom there for sure. They don't have an obvious heir apparent. And they need people who can hit left-handed pitching. We're, we're going on three years now. Four yep. years. Where this team just cannot hit lefties. And it is... It's it's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. They have to be able to find a way to get powerful right-handed guys. I mean, preferably guys who hit lefties and righties equally well. But sure, somebody you know, right? Getting a righty masher is definitely going to benefit them. Corner infield is is absolutely the right spot. They got lots of outfielders right now. I mean, you can always go for pitching. You know, it's not like there's an obvious. Well, here's what their starting rotation is going to be in three years. Like that's not that's not obviously laid out. There, there's always a need for that. 
But I completely agree with you. They seem to be comfortable over the last couple of years just kind of piecing it together at first and third base. You know, platoons and guys who maybe aren't, you know, like Luis Arias, who is a fine player, probably not the ideal third baseman. Owen Miller is another one who's had a really good year thus far. And they just don't seem to be willing to invest in somebody who's like, that's your third baseman for the next five years. And it would be nice if they could do that. And you tell Christian Yelich, you're the DH starting next year going forward. And that's the first baseman. I don't know if that's on the table. I have no idea. But like, right. Yeah, first base. I mean, they've got they've got outfielders, and and Christian Yelich, to his credit, much better defensively this year than yeah. last year. Okay. I don't really know how that is possible. I feel I feel like maybe I was missing something beforehand, but uh, but yeah, he's he's a future DH first baseman. Unless, uh, one last not. one last topic, Bucks. Hmm. Uh, your thoughts on Adrian Griffin, former Bucks assistant coach, There's, and then Adrian Griffin hiring former Bucks head coach Terry Scott. <laughs> And hiring former Bucks interim head coach and longtime assistant Joe Prunty to be on same said staff with uh, Adrian Griffin. Uh, meanwhile, Boston hired Sam Cassell, wanted him, and now they hired Lee, who was Bud's uh, one of Bud's top assistants. I was interviewing for jobs all over the league. He mm-hmm. now is in Boston as well as the lead assistant uh, in Boston. I like what Boston's done. I like the assistants that uh, Griffin has brought in, or Horst, or whoever is making that decision. The Griffin hire itself, they better be right. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, this is a last gasp effort because the Bucks could be going off of a cliff soon. So, uh, yep. so yeah, you, you, I, I there's just so much mystery with assistant coaches. You just don't learn a lot about them. You don't know which aspects of of the game and the development and the, and the strategy. Like you don't know what they thrive at until until they're in the chair. So we're going to learn a lot about Adrian Griffin early on in the season. I like that it's a little outside the box. It's not an obvious pick, which tells me that you know they they have some some data or some information that really tells them that this is their guy to choose somebody over some you know a couple other options who had a lot more experience. So I, I'm certainly open minded. I, I, Terry Stotts fine with me. Like he was great for the for the Blazers. Like it didn't he work out good. here, but he was good. And you know the whole thing is Adrian Griffin hasn't been a head coach. Bring somebody who's got tons of head coaching experience. Yep. Put him on the bench. That works for me. And, uh, and Joe Prunty is like universally beloved yes. in Milwaukee. So like there's no problem there, at least in my mind. Um, but assistant, you know, assistants are such a mystery because they just don't they don't talk to the media. You don't really get a good handle on what they do, what they provide, and. Um, you know, Adrian Griffith's been around the block. You know, 15 years as an assistant is basically at this point you've got you've got close to head coaching experience at that point without actually being in the chair. That's a, that's a long time to be around the league, been with some really successful programs, uh, some successful franchises. So I uh, I'm very open minded. Obviously, the only thing that matters is his relationship with Giannis, and if he can make Giannis right. a better player, and if Giannis likes him, and they develop a chemistry, and it it works out on the court and off the court. That's kind of the only thing that matters for the Bucks because once he's gone, it's a totally different animal. Right. It's a rebuilding, it's a rebuilding process at that point. So that's uh, that's priority number, you know, number one, and uh, we'll see how that goes. I like keeping Oppenheimer, which is Giannis's personal mm-hmm. coach. I uh, had to do that. Um, Vin Baker too. I like keeping Vin Baker too. Yeah, yeah. I like I like that decision. Now let me ask you this: What's the next step for this roster? I mean, they can't do much. Would you trade up Bobby Portis, my guy on Green and Growing podcast? Mm-hmm. Nathan Marzian said he's open to it. Probably gets the most value in return for the role players that they got. I, you know, the, the again, the contract situations are so difficult to sort of break down, and 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 with bird rights and everything, and and who, you know, the, the Bucks being able to pay guys like Brook Lopez more than any other team, I, I, I imagine they're going to run it back, you know, and and that would include Bobby Portis certainly. I, I, I'm not in a hurry to get rid of Bobby Portis. I think he he provides a lot. I think he's more meaningful to the Bucks than he is in a trade or in an open market situation. What it, like what sure. I, I don't I can't picture exactly what would come back that I think would be worth what Bobby is to the Bucks. So. Has to Not be young hurry. guys. I want young guys. If they're mm-hmm. trading Bobby Portis, I want. Th- to me, they looked old and slow. 
Yeah, that's and Portis like is like is the young guy on this team right, <laughs> right now. So yeah, you definitely need if you're going to go in a different direction that you're going to go young. Yeah, I mean projects like you've got to you got to start thinking about long long term future because you got no draft picks. So it's got to be guys who are going to be de- developmental and develop you know down the road or are young now and can can grow into something pretty substantial. But um, I don't I don't see those moves out there. Like I feel like it's it's got to be mostly the guys that are here now and and bring them back and go for it one more time and I think it kind of falls apart after this next year honestly but uh, but but give it give it that one last swing as long as you have Giannis at peak level and health uh, you've, you've you've got a chance so similar to the Aaron Rodgers thing all those years oh, wait, wait 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 it can fall apart after this year because if you're paying Middleton all that money to keep him there was a report out that they think he's gonna sign a long-term deal and then Brooke Lopez is gonna get paid for two or three more years. Giannis is what two years, and then he can opt out, which he will to sign a new deal, whether it be with the Bucks or whoever. Um, this thing can't fall apart that quick, can it? I, I think it falls apart because you start to th- threaten the repeater tax, the the new tax apron. You're gonna have a lot of lack a lot of roster flexibility. You're not gonna be able to supplement this roster hardly at all. That's where we are now. Yeah. It's not quite as grave yet, but yes, it's it's yes, you're right. We're we're kind of there. I think you couple that with okay. At this point, Chris and Brooke are now really old, and Drew mm-hmm. is old if he's still here. I mean, you can't rely on that team to. Well, I mean, you could you could play it where you only play half the games and and see if you can get in the playoffs, and then you know try to put all your you know full throttle at that point. Maybe that works out. It's not a formula that often works in the NBA, so I wouldn't I wouldn't count on that. I feel like. You know, like I said, I feel like this is a cliff. Uh, there's still a year here in my mind that they're that the window's wide open, and then I think I think they'd have to get just incredibly creative to stay to stay competitive for a championship after that. That's a downer way to end the podcast. <laughs> Sorry, man. That's just that's not how I envisioned this going. But that's that's all right. That's why he's J.R. Ratcliffe. You don't know what he's going to say, right? You don't know what he's going to say. Follow him on Twitter at J.R. Ratcliffe, training sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal. Sentinel does a great job of that. Uh, and uh, make sure to pay attention to all his fine work. JR, thanks so much for coming on, man. Really appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. You betcha, buddy. I'll talk to you again soon. You betcha. Take care. There he is, JR Ratcliffe, trading sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel.